Up next on the You Ain't or Nothing Yet podcast, we have a singer-songwriter that blends all types of music together. Pop, folk, indie, rock, and everything in between to create a sound that will soothe the listener, make them think, and also reflect. He's just released a new album, Written and Underlined. And here he is to chat to us. It is Rory Nellis. Rory, how the hell are you? I'm very, very well. Thank you very much for having me. Not a problem at all. Anytime, anytime. I suppose, look, we just jump straight in. How did you find music? Um, where did you get sort of um, the, the bug for it, as one would say? Um, so, yeah, I've been asked this question before. Uh, and I think I, I always think back to the very first time I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Quality mm-hmm. film. So the bit where he's on the, the float at the end of that and he does the, he, he mimes Twist and Shout. It's the original Beatles recording, I think, if I'm yes. correct. But he, he mimes to it. And I was like, whatever, I don't know, seven, eight years old or something at the time. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> so it was like music was just so, it was just so exciting and powerful. I sort of got a wee taste of what it could do, you know? Mm. So I was, um, mom and dad were big into the Beatles and I listened to a lot, a lot of the Beatles from then on and um, got the bug for Oasis when I was about 14. So Oasis got big around 94, was it 95? Mm. And uh, so I'd have been sort of 12, 13 then. And then I heard uh, Supersonic it was, I think the first one I heard. The guitar sounds were always really great with Oasis, you know. I don't, yeah. don't listen to Oasis an awful lot anymore these days, but I certainly got the bug for it at that time sort of picked up the guitar and started playing a bit around then. Would they have been direct influences on sort of what you're putting out now and like you as a musician as a whole? Not anymore. I'd say the Beatles definitely are. I still, mm. I mean, I listen to the Beatles almost every day still. I, would, I don't listen. I, I, I think Noel Gallagher is a great songwriter, but I, I don't listen to Oasis anymore. They definitely caught my imagination as a teenager. Well, before we get stuck in your sound right now, we'll sort of get stuck in a wee bit of your older stuff that we're crawling through. So before you put your first solo album in 2015, it's ready for you now. Before that, you were in band, Seven Summits. That's that right. One? The sound's a bit different between the two of them from what I've listened to. Or was the solo thing, was it wanting to try something different? Or was it something you always wanted to do? Or When I started doing the solo project, it was definitely in my mind, you know, another thing. People always called us and always called me all the way through my career to date quirky. And I resisted it for so long. <laughs> uh, and I've only really just managed to sort. I'm sort of sitting in it now. I'm like I've accepted it. Uh, my music it does have an element of quirkiness. I just start stop fighting it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so about, the reason I say that is because you know at the time people used to would have said like quirky indie pop. Seven summits would have been, and we had a couple of you know big successes. We played in the BBC introduction stage in Glastonbury in 2011, which was obviously a highlight of Seven Summits' career and my career you know it doesn't get any better than that it's mad like it's crazy playing at Glasgow unfortunately we played you know five minutes after Germany thumped England 4-1 four, four in the World Cup <laughs> uh, <laughs> everybody was watching the match for starters and then everybody was just really sad you know imagine being sad at Glastonbury I know I know <laughs> sad at Glasgow it's not it's not it's not right so, uh, yeah, but, and we released a couple of singles and we, we did well and we toured about a little bit. When I started doing the solo project, it was very much acoustic-based stuff. I had a, an EP out, the No End EP it was, very much acoustic, sort of folky-based stuff, which I thought was just sort of the songs I was writing that were, didn't fit into the Seven Summits box. So it started off that way and it's sort of developed. Um, Seven Summits... As we all got a little bit older and married and children and mortgages and work and everything, it all just being in a band with that many parts just becomes very complicated. Mm. I mean, even now, you know, um, 
I, I play with a great band now, but it's not the same thing. We don't have to have meetings about uh, what the plan is. We don't have to sit down and write together. We literally just rehearse for the gig and do the gig, you know, so yeah. all the other logistics come yeah. down to me. And I actually think that's part of the music business in general these days. I don't know whether I'm right or wrong in saying that, but it feels there's a lot of solo artists, you know, and there's there isn't a huge amount of money floating around as a musician these mm. days. It's different since streaming started and it's all, you sort of have to work hard to get your own little niche. I would say trying to support four or five different people in a band independently these days would be extremely difficult, if not nearly impossible. Pure so, COVID hasn't helped either. COVID certainly hasn't helped. I was doing my tax return the other day and I think I had one gig <laughs> last year. <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> oh. It was uh, like a house gig. And I think one that was like a period of two weeks in August, whenever you were allowed 15 people from three households or yeah. whatever. <laughs> in your backyard and squids into like into your tiny backyard and being in, you know. So I played, I played at a house thing uh, around then. That was the only thing I did apart from the live streams. Mm-hmm. Stuff sort of starting to open up and um, live gigs starting to come back. Unfortunately, your album launch was supposed to be there end of January. It's been pushed back to, is there any dates after it yet? Uh, Cathedral Quarter Arts Festival. So it was part of the Out to Lunch Festival. Yes, which is run by the same people who run the Cathedral Quarter Arts Festival. Uh, Sean Kelly is the is, is the main man. He's the one person I've been speaking to about it. Anyway, I'm sure there are more people than just him because it's a big operation. And uh, that gig was pushed back, and he's put it in as part of the Cathedral Quarter Arts Festival, which is great. So that's the first of May, which is a Sunday, but Monday's a bank holiday, so party on. Can go big night then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're playing in McHugh's basement on the first of May, so looking forward to that one. Good stuff. Good stuff. I was able to. I was able to reschedule. Um, I had the album launch just last Saturday, and I was able to book an afternoon gig in that Two Royal Avenue place, which mm-hmm. is the old Tesco in Belfast, which is now an art space temporarily. So I was able to book a gig in there, and uh, in the afternoon, which was like family friendly affair and people come down and just had a coffee and watched and it was very chilled and very informal which actually worked out really really well is it a nice venue like you were just saying about, i know we me, myself and sean have both seen people um downstairs in McHugh's, but in the old that old um uh, tesco building is it a nice venue to play in yeah it was lovely really nice it's really big and airy which is obviously yeah. useful at the moment yeah you know there's a wee coffee shop there and it's only open sort of nine to five so it's be a during the day at the weekend kind of thing but they have yeah. all sorts on they have like a string quartet followed by my band and other bands playing you know full uh, loud <laughs> rock and roll sort of vibe uh they'll have a pianist on next so you know you, you don't know what you're going to get but uh, there's good music happening in there all the time what about gigs either before covid or after covid do you have any favorite places to gig that you have gigged or that you'd want to gig the limelight. I mean, I haven't have. Uh, we we did a live video in the limelight. Um, Seen that very cool. Mm, yeah, got a couple more, a couple more videos from that session due to come out still. That was brilliant. You know, I I started going limelight. You know, it's the limelight too now, but it was the lime just the limelight. Um, uh, the smaller one. Uh, that's where I sort of grew up in there really, and and discovered so much music. I used to go there every single Friday night, and uh, you know. F- Disco A Go Go, I think it was called. I discovered so much music that I still love and listen to all the time. I've seen so many great bands in there over the years. So that venue is really special. The Empire is also upstairs, and the Empire is also mm-hmm. a really, really special venue. Yeah, when you forget. Love, love playing in there. So there's quite we're we're we're, we're quite a good few options um, in Belfast. Trying to get out of Belfast is is the problem. Mm. No, it's uh, trying to get a meaningful gig that you know, which I would at my 
point in my career where I would put at, you know, you know, if I went to a different town and there were 15 people there who were listening to my stuff, I would consider that a success. Yeah. Yeah. Even getting that in, uh, you know, Dublin, Cork, Galway, Derry, wherever is, is tricky. Um, so it's, it's, that's, that's the bit I'm at now where I'm trying to, you know, step out and go around the place a bit and try and spread the word a wee, a wee bit. That becomes tricky. Well, mm-hmm. Can I ask you about your second album then? Um, I think it was, <clears throat> pardon me, 2017. So definitely wasn't there yesterday. And, mm-hmm. you know, this was released in a different way in the sense that, you know, each song were singles. Like, is that sort of the, the idea or the mindset to try and get as many people listening as possible and sort of give them perhaps like a unique experience or a unique listening experience to, to each individual track? That was the thinking behind that and some of it some parts of that some aspects of that went well and some aspects of it didn't go well and uh, there's a very talented artist friend of mine who is just he's a genius called michael eaton who did the artwork for that stuff and he did he did individual artwork for uh each each track so if you look at the if you look at the album cover of that it's there's like numbered little squares with a theme about the song for each track right so yeah. it, it, i released it as like a little box set uh, with cards with the artwork on it and a USB stick then with all the stuff on it uh-huh. I was trying to do something a little bit different that ended up it looked great and the package was great but it ended up being very expensive for me to make so there were only ever about 50 of them ever made yeah you know I'm proud of the sort of product or whatever for want of a better word the packaging of the album that I managed to put together mm-hmm. but then I, I did really I released every single as I went along and you know I got good radio play locally for quite a, quite a few of them mm-hmm. the, that backfired on me slightly because by the time the 10th single was released everybody had heard the album yeah. yeah so it was like right well we've heard this so then there was no album launch okay mm. okay well, I, find, I find that bit of it that was a learning curve mm. You know, it wasn't a t- total disaster because people yeah. did people did listen to it, but there was definitely there was definitely a lot of took from it um, in terms of just maximizing it. It's, it's a huge amount of time and it's a huge amount of money, um, huge amount of effort to put these things all together. You have to try so hard to just keep pushing it, keep pushing it, keep pushing it, because you know once it's out, it's it's almost old immediately. People have so much access to so much music. It's like, if you, I mean, it's best just not to think about it because it's it's mind blowing. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. so many albums released every week, so many albums released every day, and songs released every day, and the people have so much access to it all. I mean, it's overwhelming. Funny when you're you're ahead of the game because two or three of the people we chatted to during last year during like the the lockdowns and stuff were Alk in particular, Jack. Remember, chatted them. We're doing mm-hmm. the similar sort of. Like they wrote all these tunes and sort of were releasing them over a period to sort of keep their presence sustained online during COVID. So, yeah, I suppose, as you said, it's a balancing act. Well, I I was working on this album before COVID ever came. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, which which so it's it's just as you know as you just as we were talking about a minute ago there the last album was a while ago. You know, um, I've had a young I have a relatively young family, um, two boys, so I've been busy as well uh, in the last load of years which your, your hands have been full is what you're saying Lord. <laughs> seven and five so like uh, the last since there are enough songs in the world came out and um even ready for you now um which is sort of a reference to becoming a dad and a, a couple both of those albums have songs specifically about becoming um a parent and that whole adventure <laughs> mm. uh in them so you know but now i as the kids have got, they're not babies anymore. So I'll hopefully be able to have a little bit more time. There shouldn't be 
as big a gap between this album and the next one as there was the last time. Well, look, you've talked about your new album, or you've mentioned, sorry, about your new album. Tell us about it. Was it, you know, you say you've been working on it now for a while. What were your influences in it and what brought you to this point? I think going back to what we were saying about this, the seven, from the Seven Summits time, you know, so there was the kind of, I thought sort of had that as a an, an aside to Seven Summits, sort of yeah. the more acoustic-based stuff. It's become more, Seven Summits is sort of fallen by the wayside, although I do really hope that we do make some music again together in the future, but it's sort of on hiatus indefinitely for the moment anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, like, I, I this is just my, my, my writing, me trying to write great songs, not for a specific project, but just this is just me. And I do think my writing has got better over the last few years. It's a little bit more, I'd say this one is a little bit more straight ahead, as in just tr- trying to write, not trying to be overcomplicated or try to overthink it too much. Just try and write good songs. Okay. And then get a get a, a good band around that and let them do their thing. You know, there was a, there's been definitely a change of mindset in the last few years for me. I sort of thought for a while that I was a little bit too old and like I'd had my chance and this was to sort of make it. I'm doing inverted commas for those of you listening. Yeah. <laughs> and then I sort of thought, well, I don't know what making it means. You know, I've, I've come to the, come to realize that making it means for me would be making a living from this full time. Yeah. Not being a rich person, but being making a living from it, you know. To be able to sustain yourself, I suppose, in your family and, and enjoy it while doing all that. That's it, you know, and there's a big difference between making a living for yourself and being a multimillionaire songwriter, you know, mm. there and there's a huge gap in there and there's a huge potential for that to happen. But, you know, it's just about trying to get the word out, trying to get people to listen to it with the streaming and stuff. It's really just trying to get people to buy it as well, because yeah. you know, the world is paid out by Spotify, uh, especially, but all of them really, it's very difficult unless you're into the millions of plays. Mm. And even then, even if you were getting millions of plays, you would need to be getting millions of plays pretty consistently. <laughs> yeah, on a, yeah. On, a, on a weekly basis sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so th- this album, uh, I, I sort of came to the came to the conclusion that I wasn't sort of too old to be doing it. And I thought sort of I was I was I got a, a fresh hunger for it when I realized that that's not true. And that's all in my mind. So I thought if I'm going to go and do it, then I'm going to go and do it right. I'm going to try and do it properly. I'm going to throw everything at it. And that was sort of the start of the process of making this album. Okay. So uh, I had a few songs already going that I thought had a lot of potential and I got working on the rest and, uh, you know, got a good band around me and got Phil Dalton to, who's a good friend and produced the other stuff too. Definitely the best group of songs I've ever written. I'm so proud of it. and so determined to shout about it and to get as many people as I possibly can to listen to it. I really am not going to shut up about it for a while yet. Fair play, fair play. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> no, the, the songs in the album are all fantastic. And something that I think goes through all all of the all three of the albums, but definitely this one, is like this common thread of like being very self-reflective. You know, is that the way you approach writing all songs or is it just sort of you sort of just feel there's a song in something that's affecting you or impacting you? Or how do you approach your creative yeah. process? I try to be as honest as I can. And I try to be open about it you know like the song there's a song the fear on the album there which Mm -hmm. is uh very openly about sort of anxiety and depression and really more about the fact that it has become more acceptable socially for us to talk about those things in the last few years i think there has been a big change there's no longer like a stigma or it's no longer a taboo subject to talk about how you're feeling how you're doing uh for without wanting to make belittle it in any way, the idea of it, 
it's good to talk about those things. It's important and it's essential to talk about those things with your friends and your family and to be honest about it. So that's what that, that song is kind of about that. So I try not, if possible, to, to write it about me and how I'm feeling. Yeah. Although there is a lot of that in there, but, you know, it's because yeah, there's another one, strange, strange Behaviour on there is about opening up to someone. Just, just being totally honest and having someone there to turn to and to talk to and be honest with, uh, it's great. It's great. It's like, I suppose, having that vulnerability, Rory, and being able to sort of allow yourself to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. big time, big time. Which isn't, uh, whether it's just part of, of our culture specifically or, or co- you know, just people in general or what, like yeah. in the older generation, um, that, that it just would never, ever have been spoken about. And would have been dealt with and pushed down and dealt with in different destructive ways. You know, it's so much more easy just to be honest with each other, try and talk it all through and make really as well, you know, uh, to make out that everyone has this. Everyone feels this kind of stuff. Everyone does. So you're not Mm. weird. That was the thing. That was a big realization for me. Mm. If you're feeling anxious or depressed or whatever, sometimes it's everywhere. Everyone has, everyone has these moments. Uh, and sort of making that that was a big thing for me and it really really opened my eyes so to try and talk about that and and give someone else that insight or just to be you know for me to shout about the fact that you know that's this is this is the case this is a fact everyone gets this so you're not weird you're not odd I suppose it's a little bit about that as you say the album sort of in progress before COVID but I suppose was the recording or writing impacted at all by oh, yeah. lockdowns and all that, either I suppose in terms of were you recording over Zoom or that, but even in the writing, like strange behavior, obviously that was what, that sort of stuff was something a lot of people had in the lockdowns. And... Uh, yes, a hundred percent. Um, it helped. It probably helped the writing in a lot of ways because it gave me loads of time to write. Mm-hmm. Um, my boys were off school, so I was doing a lot of homeschooling and a lot of took on a lot of extra childcare because all the childcare was all closed down. I, I uh, teach guitar and stuff as well on the side. So I haven't, I didn't have to do an awful lot of that. I did have more free time every evening I was free. So I did a lot of live streaming and I did, I had an awful lot more time to, to write definitely. So video shop was written during the, during the first lockdown. Um, and video shop is just very um, openly about the pandemic and about, I don't know about you guys, but like there seemed to be a real feeling for like nostalgia at the time. Yeah. Everyone's sort of thinking back about the good times, you know. So yeah, the before times, <laughs> before times, exactly. So video shop, yeah, video shop was it's just about the the pandemic openly, and it's about uh, nostalgia, you know. Hence the subject matter, and it does a shout out the extra vision. We so, all know it. Many a Friday evening yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, oh, that wow. was going to be. Is there a? Is there the first song that was explicitly mentioned extra vision in the lyrics? Bound to be up there. It's yeah. I hope so. I hope. So. <laughs> I really hope to make a video of it from like stock footage of people walking. I'm sure there must be stock footage of people walking around extra vision. Um, there are, there are a few wee bits and pieces on YouTube, which I've seen, which is just brings it all back, you know? Yeah. Like going back to the Spotify thing I was talking about earlier, like you went into extra vision back in the day and there was a choice of about maybe 10 movies you could get that night. And it was mm-hmm. mind blowing. Yeah. That you had to choose between these 10 films. <laughs> So now you're you're signed up to Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Netflix, and everything else. You've got five hundred thousand movies you could pick from. Like how how do we even cope? Like I know, I know, I know. 
most of the time spent flicking through arguing with the person with you. It's like, yeah, do you yeah. want comedy tonight? Do you want drama? Do you want a thriller? Do you want action? Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to say, I remember being an actress when I was a Ken and renting like the first Pokemon movie like three weeks in a row. Yeah. And I was like, whereas now there's just that much stuff, you would never watch anything that many times in a row. <laughs> yeah, but to, to really appreciate the Pokemon movie on the levels that it should be appreciated, you need to watch <laughs> Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So, yeah, I, I, had a lo- I had a load of time to write, but the, the recording was definitely impacted. We had the bass and drum session initially recorded for Easter Sunday, Easter Monday in 2020. Um, I'm sure I'm not alone in being confused about what year is which at the moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're all there. <laughs> it's all rolled into one. <laughs> I think it was 2020, that the first lockdown, eh? So 2020. Yeah. Yes, COVID-19, that's right. So yeah. then, <laughs> then uh, so, yeah, so we had it. That was all pushed back from Easter, around springtime. We were finally able to get in and start recording the bass and drums. I think it was late August, early September. So the whole thing was pushed back by months and months and months. Mm even the initial recording and then Phil and I were able to do a couple of guitar days just the two of us in different rooms in the studio yeah and then roaring at each other down the hall (laughs) roaring down the hall and masks on and speaking to each other through the mics all day very weird and then similar for the vocal session like the vocal for video shop you can hear it like because video shops about it and i also recorded it in that there's actually it's actually there's actually a photo of me on the on my instagram from that day i think because i was i just became so emotional when i was singing it i wasn't thinking about it all that much and then all of a sudden it just sort of everything hit me the ridiculousness of it that you know phil who had 10 years was in the next room and you know we couldn't even go and you know it just couldn't take your coffee together really it was really odd really really odd and that you know, you get those days when it all just everything's logistics, everything has to be planned so mm-hmm. far in advance. Everything has to be planned down to the well, maybe not so much now. Thankfully, we're sort of beginning to see the end of that. But at mm-hmm. that time, if you wanted to see your mate for a cup of coffee, it had to be three days in advance and yeah. organizing, organizing it all and where we're going to be and thinking about through every moment of what that was going to be like. It all just hit me when I was doing the vocal for that song. Mm. Would that be your favorite song on the album, Warrior? Do you have a favorite? Um, it's definitely one of them. Proud of the proud of the lyrics of it. It's I, I'm surprised. It's one of it's one of the songs where I, I don't exactly know where it came from. Mm. Talking about a video shop and stuff in terms of like COVID and trying to get all that together and what that means and stuff in my head. It's like I don't know exactly where that came from. There's Tinderbox Theatre Company and um, is it a local theatre company in Belfast? They got a lot of funding through, and I think this is how it panned out anyway. Their all their shows had to be pulled, so they had this funding there, and they didn't have any way to use it. So they thought up this thing called solo art, where they commissioned local art, a small piece of art, and I think the commissions were like a hundred quid each. So I threw my name in the hat then and said, "I'll write you a song for a little commission," and then that's where that one came from. So it was kind of written to a deadline in the middle of COVID, and you know, I had I basically had a day to do it. <clears throat> so sitting in the, sitting in the room all day thinking up different ideas and then it just sort of came out so i am very proud of it i'm very pr- i'm very proud of all of them i really have to say i am um we'll not keep it too much longer just one of the tracks i wanted to ask about was bumper sticker yeah sure. it's sort of uh it similarly has sort of them nostalgic vibes uh but it's a duet as well a couple of people have mentioned that to me that it's a duet it was never intended to be like a duet although it definitely definitely is 
Phil and I were working on the on the album one day and we realized, you know, obviously you need backing vocals. It's a it's a big thing. And we were thinking through um and my old friend Elish Phillips just sprung to mind, thought her voice would just work so perfectly for it, as it does. So Elish sings on every single track. Um oh. she doesn't she's you can hear her on every single track on the album. It just so happens that that one A, she's in from the very start, I think, or very close to the very start. The arrangement's very sparse. So it was sort of an accidental duet. Uh, But yes, it is. I mean, it it 100% is a duet. Um, And it's lovely to sing that. I've sung that with her live since a couple of times. And it's just me and the guitar and the Elish. And it is, it's really nice vibe. Lovely. It's special, special vibes. So, um, So yeah, cheers. And my friend, my old friend from university, Dan, I was in a band with many moons ago called Third Dan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, whose who's EP just popped up on Spotify the other day, and I have no idea who put it there, but it, uh, it is there now. So I, even I, I listened to it for the first time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why it's there, but it, it is. Um, so anyway, him and I sort of reconnected um, a few years ago, which is really nice. He lives in Liverpool, mm-hmm. and he, he recorded all the synth parts. He did Strange Behaviour to and Political Animal. He did all the, the synth stuff on that. How would you define the new album to somebody? You know, not to, not to be productive, but like, how would <laughs> what would sum it up to somebody? In terms of sound, uh, I think certainly the general thread of it is, you know, what I have it in my head is just sort of good old fashioned songwriting. You know, it's it's like that sort of Laurel Canyon kind of vibe, uh, sort of Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, uh, that sort of old school let's just write a great song and, and try and focus on writing a really great song and, and then the rest of it will look after itself. Absolutely. That's, that's whether I've achieved that is, I don't know, but that's what I was trying to do. But yeah, no, totally the, the thing about approaching each song comes across and that some of them, as you say, some of them are like, doesn't really fit in the same box, but they do, there is like a common thread, I think, for all of them. That... Well, look, you're a man that's happy with it. We, we enjoy it and uh, we hope whoever's listening will enjoy it as well. But before we go into our quick fire round, right, we got to okay. ask you, like, what, what does the future hold? I'm trying to book as many shows as I can. As I said to you earlier on, uh, I'm trying to, you know, get the word out of Belfast and out of Northern Ireland, which is tricky for a number of reasons when you're doing it yourself, especially mm-hmm. trying to get out to radio stations that aren't here. Um, I've been I've been working away here for a long time, so I have the contacts here. But without paying for a radio plugger, getting out of here is and um, your music out of here um, is tricky. So that is something that needs I need to work on. I need to get on the road and play as many shows around the place as I can, mm-hmm. which can be tricky. Uh, you know, when I was much, much younger, I would have gone down and played an open mic night in Galway. A couple of good shows coming up and a couple more that fingers crossed are in the pipeline that uh, will, will, will pan out for me. And then, you know, the next thing is to try and do more I'm doing a bit few co-writes with people. Um trying to get my that side of my 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 work uh developed a wee bit and I've, I'm just always writing stuff anyway anytime I have a chance. So I've got about I've got about 10 tracks ready for for another album. It's just it's just finding the time and the money to get that sorted. So I've I've big plans ahead to try and just build build up my fan base and my profile and just get working on the next album and just trying to release new tunes. It's it's not a it's not a brand new approach <laughs> yeah but it you know it's it's one that i want to do one that i want to make my my living as i said um so that's that's the plan just to try and build it up slowly but surely 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, myself and Sean will keep eagle-eyed um, for gigs. Well, look, we're, we're not going to hold you much longer. We do a few quick-fire questions just for a bit of crack. Uh, we ask everybody the same questions just to see where people's heads are at. So, first huh. question. If you were a drink, alcohol, otherwise, what would it be? It can be absolutely anything. So, um, I might be a cup of tea, a cup of black, a cup of tea, because, um, you know, I'm, I'm soothing and, and, and give you a little hug in your tummy. <laughs> Sean would disagree with that now. But, uh... Almost certainly. <laughs> That's a tricky one, because so, it'll be different every day. I'll say that I am a quiet pint of Guinness. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like, <laughs> I like. Fair, fair. Next one. Um, if you could have a superpower, any superpower, even make up your own, will people make up their own? What uh-huh. would you do? I'd say flying, I would say. Hmm. Flying yeah. would, be, would be the one. I mean, I'd love to see. I'd love to see more of the world. I've seen some good parts of the world, but I'd love to see more of it. And uh, I'd be very handy for getting the gigs and stuff. So, flying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, next question. Now, this is a hotly debated topic between Probably myself. Probably the most contentious of these. This questions. is a contentious <laughs> question. Chris Sandwich, tell us what you do. Well, yes, Chris Sandwiches are definitely a thing. A hundred percent. Um, has to be Tito cheese and onion. There's no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no oh my god we're good for smoky bacon yeah i have well i do love i love a packet of smoky bacon mm. but not on a sandwich <laughs> the only approach i've ever had in sandwich I've, I've seen two approaches my personal approach would be white bread uh butter mm. and tater cheese and onion Lake and that's it. it and it is hard to beat uh, it is an unreal taste experience do you want to my- marry me now Lori? <laughs> 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 I'll meet you in uh, where? Dundalk or something? Yeah, <laughs> and then my brother's approach was always uh, get a like a Belfast bap mm-hmm. and ho- hollow a hole, in, like hollow it out. Oh, like put the crisps in? Oh. Like, like pull out the middle of a, of a Belfast bap and then get a knife with butter and sort of smear it around in a circle. So there's butter, like a cave with <laughs> butter in it. That's class! And stuff a packet of Pickled onion monster munch. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <So> that... <laughs> I, I love the creativity. Like that, that, that's yeah. not the gas one. Yeah. The classic is is what I would go for. Mm. White bread, butter, yeah. and onion. Uh, what about a date, right? If you could go on a date, it can be a dinner date, doesn't have any romantic connotations, but a date with any individual or multiple individuals, living or dead, who would it be and why? Oh, jeepers. Um, well, my wife, obviously, but for the purposes of this, uh, <laughs> that's a really, really good question. Um, it, probably, it would be a songwriter, definitely. It would be a songwriter, probably Paul McCartney, maybe Neil Young, mm. Joni Mitchell, someone like that, or possibly as the other one that's popping into my mind is is Kirk Cobain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to get a chat with him. So, some I, I, probably a great songwriter. Uh, yeah. Joni Mitchell or um, Paul McCartney or or Kirk Cobain. Fair play. Or, all, or you know, there's four. You're allowed four people from three households, or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. Um, okay, the final question. <clears throat> you have a magic ball, right? Okay. And you can play at any venue you uh, with whoever you want. So you can be supporting somebody, or they can be supporting you, or it could be like a Travin Wilbury thing where like everybody just you know as a super group. Where, where, where would that vent? And you've played Glasgow, right? And usually that's a lot of people's pretty fucking high at the top. 
Do you know, no. this is this is, this is the, the peak, like this is the fucking, so, but, but where would it be? You know, it can be, it could be down in your local. It can be somewhere that, you know, is as an intimate setting or somewhere that has a special meaning to you. Or this can be, do you know what I mean? Like again, the permit stage, or it could be uh, Madison Square Garden or, you know. I would definitely, and, and my, my dream gig would be playing with my band, all right. Uh, rather than I do love playing solo, but the, the, I love 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 playing with the band. So I'll say with the band, I'll say dream gig. Do you know what? It's I don't know why it's popping into my head, but the Mandela Hall of old downstairs. You know, yes, kind of packed, it's fun. Packed, a packed room in there was always so so special. Oh man, a big old a big old square dark room. Um, in there we'd be headlining, of course. <laughs> of course <laughs> not sure um yeah who who would we be playing with oh jeepers that's a really great one too probably let's say off the top of my head nirvana maybe would be playing the beatles would play and maybe the police <laughs> yes yes i love it at all man i'm loving it all <laughs> Yeah, maybe, um, maybe maybe Joni Mitchell's uh, in her uh, in her jazz jazzy end when she's playing with Pat Metheny and all those kind of guys. Maybe oh, maybe that man. that would be quite an eclectic lineup. Pat, <laughs> I'd buy the ticket, like I'd buy the yeah. ticket. <laughs> so would we, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that is that has brought us to uh, absolutely lovely conclusion. Um, just for whoever's listening, tell them where to find your stuff um, and where to find everything about you. Every single handle I have on the internet is at Rory Nellis. So it's at Rory Nellis, R-O-R-Y-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram and on Twitter and Facebook is forward slash Rory Nellis. The best thing to do is sign up to my mailing list, which uh, you can do on my website, which is RoryNellis.com. My music is available on all the streaming sites as of this date. You know, the, the, the Spotify revolt hasn't I haven't taken it off <laughs> yet. Uh, you know, maybe next week. I don't know. Um, and Bandcamp and all those places. So it is everywhere. And I really, really, really do appreciate when people listen to it. And I would really appreciate you going and having a listen to it because that's what musicians do it for. And well, look, in terms of gigs that we know that are sort of set out, where can people see you in the first table? Dead on. So at, on the 12th of, of uh, February, I'm playing in, in Kiwi's Brew Bar, which is in Port Rush. And I'll be on there about nine o'clock. And then uh, the 26th of uh, February, I'm playing an in-store gig in a really class sweet guitar shop in Bangor called Windmill Guitars. Okay. And then the next uh, big Belfast show is going to be the 1st of May, which is going to be Sunday the 1st of May, downstairs in McHugh's, and that's the, in the Cathedral Quarter Arts Festival. So there's tickets available for that on their website, which is cqaf.com, I believe. Yeah, people, uh, look out for Rory. Look out for him and his band. And uh, Rory, big, big thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks very much for having me. That's a pleasure talking to you.